0: So, what's going on? What's this great joy about? What's what's the source? God is coming to earth? Okay. Okay. God is coming to earth, and that would be implied the reconciliation in the savior. Yeah. Israel's been waiting a long time for this. What what else? Anything else in there? God is coming to earth. Reason that the angel announced great joy is for that very reason. God is coming to earth. God is making good on His promise. God is breaking in in a way that He never has before. God is coming nearer to the fallen and broken humanity, nearer in terms of a person's perception of God, like never before. The birth of that baby, the birth of Jesus, God's son in human flesh, the ultimate sense of well-being and contentment was made possible. The Here's the point that I want you to take joy or happiness, whichever of those definitions we want to roll with, in the sense of it meaning well-being and contentment, well-being and contentment and that sense of my soul is satisfied, that kind of joy only originates in God. That, my friends, is the kind of joy that God lives in. Does that make sense? God is the giver of that kind of joy because that kind of joy is the essence of who God is. There is there's a verse in the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. We have sung a little chorus for years about this verse. We know it well. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, we have sung that. What does that mean? I'm be so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. Have you ever thought about that? The joy of the Lord. It's in what we would refer to as the genitive case, which is, is possession, ownership. So, it's talking about the joy that belongs to the Lord. The joy that is the Lord's is your strength. Nehemiah spoke those words to the Israelites. Small number of them, just a small band. They had returned from 80 plus years in exile in Babylon. They were discouraged, they were frightened, they were sad. Their beloved city Jerusalem was in shambles. Their nation was destroyed. They pretty much had nothing. And as they stood one day for a good six hours, stood and listened to Nehemiah and to Ezra read God's law, they wept for all that they had lost. Go back and read the eighth chapter of Nehemiah. It is fascinating stood there in the presence of the hearing of God's word and wept. And it was into that scene that Nehemiah spoke those words. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God's joy, the joy that is his, belongs to you. It is your strength. Do you see the connection? As they stood under the reading of God's word, they were standing in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is joy to be experienced like no other. And that joy gives strength and encouragement for life and all of its challenges. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, he said, in your presence, speaking to God, he said, in your presence there is fullness of joy not just a wee bit not occasionally in your presence God there is fullness of joy another translation says that you fill me with joy in your presence not you deposit a little bit of joy in me you fill me with joy in your presence it's not so much the idea that we go into the presence of God and he gives us a piece of his joy I think if we, if we are looking at the joy of the Lord in that way we are looking at it incorrectly. We need to understand joy is in the presence of God. God is joy. There is joy, there is great satisfaction, there is great contentment, there is absolute sense of well-being in the presence of God. Nobody has a greater sense of well-being than God. Nobody is more content than God. Nobody is more satisfied than God. And so the joy that is in His presence is this fullness of joy. This joy that is just a flood that flows from His presence. So when we go into the presence of God or when we live in the presence of God, He doesn't just pass out little crumbs of joy. If we're living in the presence of God, we're living in this flood of joy that's flowing from who God is. Make sense? Are you with me? John Piper, nobody speaks about the happiness or the joy of God better than John Piper. Let me just read a couple of paragraphs from him. He says, God is happy he uses that word. God is happy because He delights in Himself. God would be unjust if He valued anything more than what is supremely valuable, and He is supremely valuable. If He did not take infinite delight in His own glory, He would be unrighteous, because it is right to take delight in a person in proportion to the excellence of their glory. The Scriptures are saturated with texts showing God unwaveringly acts out of love for his own glory. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. He spoke those words through Isaiah. And the same thing appears when we ponder the relationship of God the Father to God the Son. There's a mystery that is here. It's beyond our comprehension. He says, and I admit that our theological efforts to describe the self-consciousness of God and its relationship to the Trinity are like the stammering of a toddler about his father but even out of the mouths of babes may come wisdom if we follow the scripture scripture teaches that Jesus Christ the Son of God is God Hebrews 1 3 says he reflects the glory of God bears the very stamp of his nature second Corinthians speaks of the glory of Christ who is the image of God from these passages we learn that from all eternity God the Father beheld the image of his own glory perfectly represented in the person of his son Therefore, one of the best ways to think about God's immense happiness in his own glory is to think of it as the delight he has in the Son who is the image of that glory. Piper says, so God is happy because he delights in himself, especially as his nature is reflected in his beloved Son. So think about the angel's announcement again. Great joy, great joy, that will be for all the people. In the birth of Jesus Christ, God delights. In the presence of that child there is the fullness of joy of God that God has in himself. The fullness of joy in the person of Jesus. So what does this mean? (laughs) I thought we'd never get there. What in the world does this mean? It means this, and I hope you don't stone me, but for those of us who come into the presence of God through His Son, the reality of the fullness of joy of God becomes a part of our lives. Translated, it means this. If you don't have joy as a Christian, it's not His fault. He has given us the fullness of His joy in the relationship that you have with the Son Jesus Christ. If you don't have that sense of contentment, that sense of well-being, that sense of my soul is satisfied, it's because you're drinking at the wrong fountain. God has given us the fullness of His joy. said earlier that one of the things that we want to do that that we must do really in this Advent season I think is to understand these traditional Advent themes through the lens of being the people of God the children of God and and that's, that's what this is about and regarding joy, the greatest joy that can be known, the greatest joy that the human heart longs for is available only to those who are the people of God. God gives His fullness of joy because it flows from Him into the lives of His people through His Son. Are you a child of God this morning? Have you received through faith the salvation that He freely gives through His Son? If so, you are tapped in to the joy source of the universe. It is yours. Our challenge, I think, in this Advent season and, and in every season is, is to live with an awareness of the presence of God in and around us, made possible through the Son. There are lesser joys in life. Life is full of lesser joys. Everywhere we turn, there's something that is offered joy or happiness. And it might for just a But is that Do we want to pursue lesser joy when the highest joy that can be known is ours by simply remembering who we are in Christ and striving to live our lives to his glory? I, I love the way Tim Keller puts it. He says, do you remember when your mother used to say, don't eat candy before meals? Why did she say that? because she knew it would ruin your next meal. You see, the trouble with eating candy is that it gives you a sugar buzz and then you don't feel hungry. Candy masks the fact that your body needs proteins and vitamins. The sugar buzz from candy masks your hunger for the real nutrients that you don't have. That's what things he says like sex and power and money and success, pursuit of favorable circumstances, they act like spiritual sugar. Christians who have these spiritual candies, they may say, oh sure, I believe in God and I know I'm going to heaven. But they're actually basing their day-to-day joy on favorable circumstances. And when the circumstances change, they're intended to drive us to God. Because when the sugar disappears and the candy gets taken away, we're forced to pursue the feast that our souls really crave. We'll hunger for the spiritual nutrients. In in this season of Advent, I would challenge you to think about your joy. I know, I know there are days when our circumstances just threaten to quench our joy. All kinds of difficulties, all kinds of challenges, all kinds of pains and hurts and things that rattle our lives. How how can they not be But here's the reality. The baby's birth that we celebrate this makes it possible for those who put their trust in Him for salvation to enter into a relationship with the Source of the of joy, The source of joy. God's source. we come into the presence of God, do we do we ask for joy? Do we beg for joy, or do we just come into the presence of God and let ourselves be taken away in wonder that we are His children, that we are His people? And then, do we find joy just? I? I don't think joy is something that we need to ask for from God I think what we need to pursue is intimacy with God we need to pursue time with God time to sit in his presence and just to tell him that we love him time to sit in his presence and tell him how much we adore him time to sit in his presence and thank him for who he is and what he's done in our lives I know I, I use this analogy probably far too often, but we've got to break away from the God in the genie's bottle. You know, if we can just rub that sucker the right way, then we're going to get our blessings. He refuses to be in the bottle. That's not who God is. But the God who makes himself vulnerable in the baby's birth of this season is God who makes himself available to each one of us. Great and abundant joy flooding into and over our lives if we are willing to be intentional about being in His presence. If we're not living with joy, praise team, come on up. We need to to conclude this morning. If we're not living with joy as the people of God, it's our problem it's not God's problem because God is the very definition of great joy we need to live with an awareness of his presence that is both in us through his spirit and around us at every step we take we need to live with trust in him we need to remember that this God who loves us this God who has who has adopted us as his children is a God who doesn't have down days you know he's a God who doesn't have regret over the fact that he adopted you into his family you know he's not the Daisy God where we pluck the petals and say he loves me he loves me not he loves me he loves me not we we've, we, we've got to we've got to go back to scripture We've got to allow the truth of Scripture to reshape our thinking about who God is in His greatness, in His character, and in His perfection. That is the God who has chosen to love you and adopt you into His family. My friends, what more do we need? We need nothing. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. May we come to Him Again and again and again in this Advent season, and experience the overflowing love of joy that comes from who He is into our lives.